0: Welcome to the Layers of Design and Life podcast. I'm Emma Merry, and together with my team, we specialise in creating amazing spaces for family homes. Whether it be kitchens or bathrooms or a complete top to bottom renovation, our style is creating bespoke, relaxed schemes that feel curated and complementary to their surroundings. Hello and welcome back. I've had a lot of questions from the previous two podcasts. Who is the mystery voice? Well, the mystery voice is actually my sister. Before we started this podcast, we spent many an evening, uh, daytime, WhatsApp chat, chatting about interiors and how things work. And she was actually the inspiration behind starting the podcast because she said, you've got so much knowledge and it'd be great to get it down on paper. So without further ado, let's get talking about this week's subjects. What are this week's subjects?
1: How to build a home that works for you and works when you come to sell it or move on to your next home. Okay. You also didn't mention my name.
0: (laughs) So this week's episode is all about how to decorate and design your home for how you want to live and for the next owners when you come to sell your home.
1: Charlotte is going to come right at us with the questions. It seems a difficult balance to strike between decorating for yourself and for these invisible new owners that you don't know who they're going to be and how do you strike that balance when you're designing a room or a scheme in your own home i think the first thing to remember is design
0: for yourself you are the ones that are living in the house you're going to be here for the next five years 10 years 15 years unless it is a rental property then it's a completely different kettle of fish so when we start our process the first question is is this your forever home Most people say, no, it's our five to six year home. And then from that, we then delve a little deep and it turns out they are gonna be there for about 10 years. So this has an impact on what we put into the property in terms of fixtures and fittings. Uh, For example, built-in storage. Lots of my clients love the idea of built-in storage, but it is quite expensive. So I find it's better... If we look at built-in storage in the rooms where you need it most and it has to work the hardest, for example, utility rooms, the new owner is going to love a utility room that is completely bespoke and kitted out. Once you take your stuff out, they're going to be using a similar thing. Bedroom storage, again, is very important, I think. The places where I would put it on the back burner would be as if you had a home office, because not a lot of people are going to have the same jobs as you. Lots of my clients are not paper-based, so it's just they can rock up with a laptop and maybe a small set of files, and that's all they need. So if you created this complete bespoke system...
1: I'd say that would be a luxury and a nice to have. So going back to built-in storage, obviously that's something you're going to sell with the property when you move on to another home. Are there any other pieces that you find that are worth keeping with that property and you starting afresh when you move into a new property?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question, Charlotte. I mean, we see lots of different people bringing pieces from their last home. For example, one of my clients has traveled around a lot and has a a beautiful four-poster bed that she actually had made and designed in India and has brought that with her. And it is absolutely stunning. And then there's lots of clients that have generational pieces. So a piece that's been handed down, those kind of things I would say always should be kept and should be you know incorporated into the design but when we're talking about coffee tables we're talking about the odd occasional chair those are the kind of things that i don't feel like travels i think there's three key things that we see that don't travel particularly well for in the living room for example are the large sectional sofas because i think sofas are something that is completely bespoke to the space lots of my clients now like to have something that they can really lounge in they can relax in they feel like it's um you know, family room come cinema room. And a lot of these sofas are bespoke to the space. So they are either a double L, they've got a chaise lounge section to them. Um, They're very high backed. So those kind of pieces wouldn't work if you moved and you had low windows or for example, you didn't have access in the same place in and out of the room where the sectional leg piece is, for example. The second thing I think is very bespoke to homes is lighting. And I know most people do take their lights with them, but they don't tend to work, you know, it's not one of those cut and paste items, but like wall lights, for example, you know, they are usually designed in accordance with three other sets of lights in terms of lamps and spotlights, and you might not actually need that in your new space. So lamps, yes, would travel well, but I think fixed ceiling lights are something that probably should stay with the property unless you are moving into a space that could could hold something like
1: a big glass chandelier and you've had that in your old house well that makes sense because you're going to be dealing with different ceiling heights different lighting conditions and you can't just take and replicate what you've had before in the new home i suspect so um do you find a lot of things that are bespoke need to stay with the home well yeah clues in the name <laughs>
0: bespoke um yeah. Uh, well, I, okay. That's a really good question. So things like vanity units, so bathroom vanity units, it's quite rare that you would take that with you. But to be honest with you, the, the, the trend at the moment is to have these freestanding units. And you know, I think that is something that could potentially travel if it works for you. The color scheme is there. The unit is in its entirety and it hasn't been fixed to the wall. It doesn't have any other fixings to it. Then that is a bespoke piece that could travel, which not a lot of people think about. The other bespoke pieces that can work are that lots of people just discard are curtains. So I say to a lot of my clients when they've moving, they're downsizing, moving from a large family home and they have large living room curtains that span, say, three or four meters you know i said if you still love the curtains we can alter them and make them smaller and use them in another room you know you've got two sets of five meter curtains you know that could do three bedrooms um and the cost for then altering those curtains is minimal compared to starting again and also it's that whole you know community vibe of keeping the existing fabrics and reusing them and recycling them rather than just chucking them out and going new so yeah i
1: think i do promote that so how do you strike that balance, designing your home for yourselves and designing for the new owners? How would you say you balance that out? Yeah, that's a really good question. The balance is the key to that sentence. I
0: think a lot, lots of my clients and lots of the people that I discuss this sort of subject with all sort of say, oh, you know, I've, I've heard that people don't really like argos in kitchens. They find them distracting, but I really love an arga, And I've sort of said, look, You know, no one is going to walk into your house and love everything. They are going to change things and you have to be happy with that. So why would you spend all this money designing for an imaginary person that could come in and take it out anyway? Have what you like. I think the important thing to remember is the sort of like the structural walls and the physical side of the building, making sure that it actually flows right. It makes sense. You know, you have a kitchen, a utility room within walking distance. You know, your living room is is he doesn't have double doors onto like a patio that is constantly flooded because you're never going to use those double doors because you don't want the kids going in and out with muddy feet those are the kind of sensible things that we need to look at and my personal view is that comes when you are remodeling a house and you have the architect's drawings that is when I would say you should get an interior designer on board and someone that works specifically in building that in um yeah from sort of from scratch building because we know exactly the pitfalls to look at and where things can fall down lots of architects love a lot of glass which can look absolutely stunning but then when you think about putting furniture in if you've got loads and loads of windows you're limited to where you can put furniture and then bespoke storage becomes you know, even more minimalized, because it has to be freestanding, because it has to be beneath a window, etc., etc., etc. We come into the process earlier and earlier these days. We come in when people have got their architects' plans, and in our pre built consultancy sessions, you know, we sit down with people and look at where the windows are placed, the heights. You know, think about okay, so if you are going to have a sofa in here, is it going to be a sectional? Are you going to have this open fireplace? Are you going to want to sit around this fireplace? You've got windows to the left and right. You know. Where are you going to put your TV? I think gone are the days where people don't want to see the TV. I think that's a different kind of interior design. Most of my families, they are sitting in the living room of an evening because they're watching Strictly or, you know, they're catching up on a movie. I think that is real life. You know, there is a different market for drawing rooms. So, yeah, I would say in conclusion to that, look at things, you know. The
1: practicalities. Agreed. The practicalities of the space. That's where you need to start. So when you're looking at the construction, the practical side of living in the space, that makes a lot of sense because the next owner is not going to be one of are knocking down walls. Um, but how do you live in a space and inject your own personality? I know everyone was talking about neutral a few years ago. Everything was grey or everything was magnolia. So how do you inject your personality but keep it saleable for the next owners?
0: Well, that's the, that's the million-dollar question, Charlotte. Um, I think... It, personality can come in pickup items I always think so items that you can pick up and take with you for example headboards chairs cushions all those kind of bits and pieces again the wall lights like we said they're probably not going to travel so if you're going to go for something ornate and bespoke then you have to think about your next owner if you're going to be in the house for three or four years is it something they're going to like But I think most people buy with their eyes as opposed to their wallets. You know, they will walk into a house. I know I did. Well, ours wasn't looking great, to be fair, but I saw the potential. They walk in, they think, oh, my God, this is beautiful. I can imagine myself having breakfast at that island. I can imagine the kids and us sitting in here having a fire in the winter. So I think... Most people will buy with their eyes. So I think those kind of bespoke items, when someone walks into a home, if you feel that they are very much of your personality, for example, something very brightly colored or something hugely textured or something very much of a specific time period, like a 20s art deco coffee table, you know, those are the kind of things that when you come to sell the property, you can say you can move it out i would suggest initially moving those smaller personal items out but making them the key part of the design when you're actually living in the house so keep everything else simple around that art deco coffee table so that it really sings then when you come to sell the house you take out the singing item the hero piece which is that coffee table and the room looks quite simple and
1: elegant and appealing to the next owner so, if the bones of the room are good in the construction, then you can add layers on top for you to reflect your own personality, which are movable when you leave. Yeah, it's all about layers, the layers of design. I think that's,
0: yeah, that's, again, that's the name of the podcast, and that is the key to everything in interior design, layers.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot now and ask you what you think the top three investments you can make in your house when it comes to thinking about a resale. Oh, my
0: goodness. Um <clears throat> Well first of all good windows there is nothing worse than moving into a house and having to replace the windows it is very expensive it's very time consuming and I think it's something that a lot of people are more aware of now with the rise in aluminium windows and lots of different styles and things and um, people are going back to the more modern kind of sash windows so I think that Is a good investment to start with. Um, Most of my clients are going down that road. And also, ultimately, it saves on the energy costs, because if somebody's going to be moving into the house, they usually check the boiler, the windows, they go up to loft and check for insulation. If you've ticked all those boxes, you're saving them a lot of money. And ultimately, they are only going to take it off your bottom line. So if you're selling the house for 800, they'll drop off 40 grand just to replace that. So you might as well replace them and live with the benefits. That's what I think, rather than doing all this stuff just before you sell the house and you don't get the benefit of it. It's crazy. Um, I think that's very important. I think the second thing is electrics. I think everybody should, you know, look at that in their house. I'm going to wrap that up with the other boring gray matter. Charlotte's loan, boring. (laughs) So I think electrics and boilers, I think all of those, if those are A1 sound, that is always another huge selling point. Um and then thirdly, I think it's your touch point items. Items? <laughs> I've got a bit Irish there. <laughs> your touch point items. So, like for example, in your bathrooms, your taps, your um you know, the brassware that you use, the toilets that you've chosen in terms of the kitchen, your kitchen taps, your work surfaces, if they all feel quality, all of those touch points when someone first comes to look at the house. I mean, I wish I had a camera because you see, most people will come into a kitchen and stroke the worktop. It's the first thing they do. They will run their hand along and go, Oh, this is nice. Oh. And, it, and do you know why that is? Because it evokes feeling and people can imagine feeling that that lovely feeling of this could be our home and we could live here we always buy with our eyes but we also don't underestimate the power of texture so i think any touch point items like bathroom brassware kitchen worktops carpets and things i think you can get away with you know not investing in those initially because i think most people will change the carpets it's a bit like beds and things i just feel like it's cleaner to do so maybe not initially but a little further down the line so yeah i think invest in your gray matter as we call it electrics and boilers windows 100% and then make sure the products that are in the house that are huge touch points are quality and I think you can't go wrong there
1: that's great um I think you've answered most questions if anyone's looking to sell their home hopefully they've got some good tips and tricks from you there Um, Lastly, what would you say are the luxury items that are included when you're thinking of reselling your home? Oh, gosh, that is a really good
0: question. Well, with the way the prices are now, I think everything's a bit of a luxury. Um, uh, So as we said before, like light fittings can be very personal and they can be quite luxe. I know a friend of mine who is currently renovating her home and she's sending me lots of amazing, amazing lights. And both of us are like, oh one day in a dream world. So I think those kind of things, as you live in the house, you can gradually update and change them. I mean, I've been in my house now for three years and I still have no dining room table light because I'm waiting for the right one saving up because I want that special kind of piece. So I think those are quite luxury items. I think the other things that are quite luxury are curtains again. I always say to people, if you're looking for something that's more of a dress curtain or blinds that are going to sit beneath beneath curtains those are kind of a luxury because blinds don't tend to travel as much as curtains do yeah I think invest in blinds when you first move into a house because that is when you're going to get your most money out of them if you've been living there for five or six years and you think you're only going to be there for a few more stick with curtains or go for like budget blinds and and that sort of is, is the way forward um I think the other luxury is actually carpets these days I think you know you can get fairly good value carpets that initially start out feeling quite luxe, and then after a year or so of hoovering and dicing on them, they literally turn to, yeah, they just turn flat and crap. So I think to invest in decent quality carpets not 100% wall because yeah nobody's got time for that with kids there's some good sort of mixes that you can get out there and you're looking to spend about you know 60 to 80 pound a square meter on decent carpet and I do feel like that is a bit of a luxury I know lots of people sort of start out with like wood floors and then they put rugs down and then build up from there which again is a really good way to to sort of go and think about the rooms where you do actually need carpet i mean it's quite antiquated now to have carpet in every room which rooms i would say to my clients let's start with the rooms where you take your shoes off and you're going to actually feel the carpet tends to be mainly rooms upstairs like the bedrooms you know home offices i would definitely not put carpets in those and obviously kitchens and bathrooms unless you're from the 80s we ain't putting carpet in there (laughs) yeah that is not that's not a good one so i feel like those are my luxury items So I'm here with Emma from Robert Leach Estate Agents who's based in Rygate and we're going to have a chat about the UK market, how it changes and how it differs from sort of selling a home in the States. I think with all the rise of the Netflix program, selling Sunset, all the designs um, where homes are sold fully furnished, looking immaculate, is that going to come over to the UK and what are our thoughts on that? So um, I will ask that question, I'll put that question to Emma here.
2: Yeah, I think um the US market is a different market at the, at the moment. Um but I definitely think there's potential in the UK for people to be a bit more open about furnishing their homes beautifully in order to to sell them. Um obviously certainly you see it in in the new homes um world and uh, very much I think that could rub off on on the second hand um market.
0: So, would you say that if Someone has completed their home and it's quite a large renovation because majority of my clients, this is their sort of family home. They've bought furniture that is bespoke to the space, like a large dining room table. And then they're looking to move to their next home. The kids have gone off to uni. They're obviously going to downsize. Would you see the value in them selling those larger pieces with the home?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And we have seen a bit more of that literally in very recent times. People saying that they would be willing to sell various parts of furniture. They're normally negotiated actually separately to the actual, to the actual house done as a separate transaction. But yes, as you say, people buy big, big sofas that they don't want to take on with them elsewhere. And actually people can buy into that when they look at the house, seeing how beautiful that looks in that room, that it would be better for it to stay.
0: So would you say that that's going to add? like sort of 10% to the cost or
2: what would you say roughly obviously I'm putting you on the spot here yeah I would say there's definitely a value probably between five and ten percent maybe um people don't always have great um insight into what it could look like so to actually just buy it because that looks beautiful in that room is is really attractive to a lot of people
0: so exactly what they do on selling sunset where they sort of move they move out the client's um, sort of, for want of a better word, old shit <laughs> and basically bring in a completely curated set of what it could look like and they sell the dream. That's mm. the kind of look that I think that people will go for. Okay, so I think if that is the case, could there be um, a concept in the not too distant future for you know people to not sell their homes completely empty, to sell them fully furnished as we spoke about and... So from my research, I've looked and and if you were to to sell your home, how much would it cost to buy you sort of everything new? And I've worked out that it'd probably be about 25 percent of the actual value of the home. For example, if it's like 800 grand home, it'd be 185,000 to, you know, to do a new kitchen, new bathroom. But how does that work with the way the market is at the moment in terms of people well the way the market is and what people are offering
2: Mm. the way the market at the moment i mean there is still a real worry about cost obviously so whether people would engage in actually doing kitchens and bathrooms and everything else we see it all the time that people go oh our house looks the best now just before we sell it because we've decorated it to sell it and we've changed the curtains so yeah i definitely think there is potential for people to go that step further and maybe you know kit it out with new furniture and everything to to sell it yeah
0: okay Great. That's. I think that's a really good insight. And how are you finding the market at the moment? Obviously, we're based down in Surrey. Do you find there's still a trajectory with people moving from London to here, or what's your thoughts?
2: Yeah, massive part of our market here in Rygate with the amazing schools, commutability. We always are a little bit sheltered from the rest of the market in a way. So, still a very strong market down here. And yeah, I would say probably fifty percent moving from the South London. We see a lot from Clapham, Balham, Streatham, North London as well. Just wanting to get into the schools but people still needing to be able to get into London with people needing to go to London only a couple of days a week maybe now it's becoming more and more attractive. That leads me right on to my next question I'm getting asked for a lot more home office spaces
0: we were just chatting before we started recording about how most of these home office spaces used to be for one person but now they're for two people and the rise of people working in their bedroom and how how sort of sad that makes us because everybody should have a separate space to where they actually sleep I know it's not always possible but obviously where we are the houses are slightly bigger so we can make provision for that are you seeing the same trend in being asked for home offices and what other sort of things are clients wanting
2: absolutely a huge huge ask for space for homeworking whether that be a cabin in the garden whether it be a study downstairs whether people actually want three bedrooms and they're asking for four because they need that study area um but yeah people are wanting defined areas to work in at, at home and people are actually wanting separate spaces from their bedrooms at last <laughs> and their husbands <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it makes a happy home if everyone has their own designated mm-hmm. working space. Okay, I think that's great, Emma. I think you've given us some really good insight here and I'll pop Emma's details in the show notes in case anybody is looking to make that journey from South London to Surrey. Thank you.
2: That
0: was lovely. <laughs> so it was great to catch up with Emma and hear all about how the market's doing. We're based down in Surrey, so it was a real insight as to what homes are selling, what clients are looking for. I hope that you guys take some snippets of information. So if you're thinking about selling your house, drop Emma a note and then call me when you move to your new house. <laughs> <laughs> no, in all seriousness. Is in- everyone called Emma? Yeah.
1: <laughs> there are a lot of
0: Emmas in this, in this part of the world. But if you are thinking about moving or you have recently moved, we'd love to hear from you. We can help you out with working through your plans and making a dream home. Thanks for joining us and we hope you enjoyed our musings on interiors. I'd love to hear from you. Catch me on Instagram and TikTok at emma.merry.styling. If you've got a project you'd like to discuss, then head over to emmamerrystyling.com and you can book a consulting session with me. We'll be back next week for another episode, so see you then.